Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno and Nick. What a do? Welcome to the QTB podcast. We're so glad you could join us. My name is Bruno, and with me, as always, is my childhood friend and co-host, Nick Victor Shevitz Panini. Wow, that's like okay. That's like if 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 you were like a tourist in New York, and you're like, oh, where are we gonna go to lunch? And like you're looking it up on Google, and like, oh, let's go over to uh to Victor Shevitz uh, Panini. Yeah, they have good sandwiches. They, they got have five they stars. Got mad corned beef skills over there. I don't know what it is, <laughs> and the bagels are to die for. But Victor Shevitz Panini is what's up. Yeah. So really, the the Panini comes from the fact that there's this guy I know who I'm, I'm just not gonna say his name but he he can't say panini so i always just imagined like what would if he can't say panini because that's what my wife told me wife's like he can't say panini and i'm like what do you mean he can't say panini and she's like i i don't know he just can't say it i'm like what is he saying panini or something like there you go y'all take the uh the panini right there next to the you know just making up (laughs) items on the uh (laughs) dane cook style like yeah (laughs) That's why they put numbers on there so everyone knows. And speaking of numbers, Bruno, happy episode 30. Whoa, we did it. Can you believe it? Yeah. Man, it has come and gone so quickly. Time flies. We're going to be on 50 before you know it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you, you blink and all of a sudden you're there. But uh, I mean, I guess the the reason why it's going so fast is we're having so much fun. Yeah, um, just kind of being out here, giving giving all the news. Been doing a lot of uh, interviews uh, with other podcasts that we'll be uh, announcing on Twitter, and uh, also some uh, game interviews. One of which we have coming up later today. Speaking of which, might as well get into uh, what today's news stories are going to yeah. be. Yeah, a little bit later, Bruno. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. I I, I got to tell you, Bruno, I I might have to go back and check. I think this might be the first episode ever where there isn't Xbox on the news docket. Oh, I can't believe it. I don't know. I how actually I'm gonna can't make it believe through. it. I don't know how Xbox. I'm going to make it through. We're just trying to keep did, me awake. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we wait to the last second to record. We're looking furiously for for any kind of, uh, of news. You know, try to balance it out. But it's two Nintendo stories and one PlayStation story. So, yep. And well. I looked through Xbox's Twitter <laughs> feed and all they posted was a video and a couple gifts today. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that is not newsworthy. We can't get there with that. <laughs> can't okay? get there. Can't get there. Can't do a frame by frame of the no. gif. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so we'll be talking about the Nintendo Indie World Showcase because there was a lot of exciting things um, in this indie world. I'd say more oh. so than a lot of them, a lot of uh, treats on the way. And yeah. coming up in the bonus round, we've got an interview with a guy that calls himself Loxulus. He Ooh, made the game cool Chess Lock. It is a, it's a really cool name. And I did ask him that question in the interview of like, you got to tell me more about this <laughs> name because when you have two X's back to back in your name, you're you're probably a hardcore dude. So yeah, um, yeah we talked about his uh, his his solo game that he created called Chess Lock, which is a, a very fun, unique uh, twist on the classic game of chess. But first, Bruno, today's big story, and this is a big one: Mario Kart Eight. The news has broken that it is now the best-selling racing game in U.S. history. Compliments that, of IGN. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, yeah. F one had no shot, right? No shot. It's fun and all, but like you know, that's that's you're going into niche territory, and yeah, that's yeah. kind of where it that's kind of where it breaks down, right, Bruno? Is that you have a lot of these racing games over the years that you know some are more mainstream than others, but as far as a racing game goes, nothing is going to beat that family friendly and pick it up and play party approach that Mario Kart really has mastered. Yeah. Now they do have a little bit of an advantage with this statistic that uh, that broke because this is including both the Wii U original and Nintendo Switch's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, uh, both versions of that game. Because Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was literally just all the DLC slapped onto, yeah. um, you know, in, in, into one package. We see um, you. It's just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they they knew, we knew, we still gave them sixty dollars. Yeah, I know I did so them's the breaks but uh i mean this really isn't it isn't isn't shocking news in any capacity right no i mean uh, when you talk about if 
if pretty much anyone talks about any racing video game, I think the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is Mario Kart. And I was actually watching Ridiculousness the other day because that's what I do. First of all, there's like 12 seasons of it and they do like an episode every day. So, you know, with like 500 some plus episodes now, you're going to see an episode of Ridiculousness, right? But they uh, had a race car driver and there was actually an IndyCar driver and uh, he said, yeah, I think about 33% of the population thinks that they could probably drive a race car because they're good at Mario Kart and Chanel West Coast was like, I actually thought of that. Like right before you said this, I was thinking, <laughs> I'm really good at Mario Kart and I don't yeah. think there's a blue shell button in any F1 car or any banana peel slipping. So <laughs> I don't know, man. I, you know, one of the things that shocked me about getting into F1 racing was learning about how complicated the steering wheel is. Like I always, I always yeah. knew it had like a, a, a battery, like electric based system that had a lot of cool things going on in the car. But you actually look at the steering wheel on an F1 car. And if you haven't seen this to our listeners, Google it because it's crazy. Yeah. There is a button for everything. I mean, this thing looks like the, uh, with that mech warrior controller, um, back in the day, but just in, in steering wheel form. And what cracked me up was there was like a button for like a water dispenser because the drivers have, I guess the, the yeah. tube going into their mouth. Yeah. So like, if you need some water, you just press the, uh, yeah, give me a, give me a quick squirt there. Yep. Just stay hydrated out there. Nick, if you were, if you were to guess how much does that steering wheel cost? What what would you say? If you're going to put oh. enough price tag on that, how much do you think it costs? I mean, obviously, since you're you're saying how much it costs, it's going to be something dumb. Um, so <laughs> because of the the dumb. niche nature of it, right? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eighty thousand dollars. You are dang close. Seven about yep. seventy thousand dollars. Yep, wow. about seventy thousand dollars. Which Ooh. is why that's the first thing they usually grab when they get out of the car if they've had a wreck, and it's super like crazy to see them throw a steering wheel if they've gotten mad because, like you said, this <laughs> steering wheel costs more than most people's normal car, right? <laughs> we didn't pay 10000 for the Prius. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> no. Yoshi paid 80000 for his Mercedes-Benz that he drives in uh, Mario Kart, but... Uh... There you go, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I, I think that, right, Mario Kart has that mass appeal where when anybody thinks, like, you know, name a racing game, you know, if it were Family Feud, obviously Mario Kart would be up there. You do have the other big franchises, right, Need for Speed games and, yeah. like, Gran Turismo, but oftentimes, like, Gran Turismo, that is relegated to one console. I mean, the, so is Mario Kart, to be fair, yeah. but, I mean, it's just a, it's a timeless game where it's, it's a must-have if you own a Switch or if you owned a Wii or an N64 every generation right had its own mario kart game yeah then there's a very good chance that you had purchased that game and you know i i, I it, this isn't surprising news at all to me but it was kind of an interesting statistic because we learned a lot more about you know the games that it passed and the games that it has yet to pass um so it it, it beat out mario kart wii that was the previous highest selling racing game of all time so it was already you know purely nintendo country huh. um that, I mean, that was released all the way back in 2008 that was one of the few mario kart games that i did not play i remember playing some double dash and not liking it all that much for the gamecube um and then the wii version i've heard good things about it but i have not i've not played it what's what's your extent of uh, your your travels with mario kart so I obviously, you know, got started where uh, most our generation got started, which was the N64 version. Although there was like, wasn't there one that came out for the SNES? Yeah. And, you know, so <laughs> that that's awesome. But yeah. I didn't play that one. I only played the N64 version. And then as time has gone on, I've pl I didn't, you know, I, d I didn't get the GameCube, but I did get uh, Nintendo 3DS, and I have Mario Kart 7 on there, and I have a Wii, so I do have Mario Kart yeah. 8. I don't have the Switch yet, so I don't have the deluxe version. But I I think Mario is so classic that it's it really is. Like, it's almost synonymous with racing nowadays, at least in terms of arcade racers. And the thing that really gets me are the actual Mario Kart arcade racing cabinets have you seen those now are you talking about the vr ones or like the ones you see in like an art like a dave and busters it's like the one you see in like a dave and busters it's like yeah. a, it's like the dx like mario kart dx or something like that, I or that a couple AX, times. Or, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they are so much fun like i really really like that and so if i could have like one big cabinet in my 
house. Like, I think it would probably be a dual setup yeah. Mario Kart um, arcade racing thing because it's so much fun. And I, I want to see more of that. Like, I want to see more of, of arcade games coming back and making a comeback from stuff that we already know. They're doing it with Halo. They've done yeah. it with, you know, and like I said, we kind of fall into this, this space where unfortunately arcades are dying here and they're trying to stay afloat in places like Japan where they are everywhere. You know, they're everywhere. And so yeah. I, I hope we start seeing more cross, like cross generation platform. I don't know what you want to really call it, but just bring the arcade games into the console sphere and bring console games into an arcade um, world. That would be amazing to me because Nick, I got news for you. Some of mm -hmm. my favorite games in, in the history of video games are arcade games like yeah, Time yeah. Crisis. Heck I'm all yes. about time crisis. So, oh, yeah. you know, when you think of certain games like Mario Kart that are synonymous with racing, that that travels over to everything. Like if you're going to an arcade and you're like, I want to play an arcade fighter game. Most people are like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into I'm into Mar or I'm into Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's it's just, it's just a matter of of time before we see more crossovers like this. And if if you're Nintendo, like you're just gonna keep making <laughs> Mario yeah. Kart, right? Like we're gonna see Mario Kart on the Nintendo Switch Pro. It's just gonna right. be Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Pro. Super Deluxe, <laughs> yeah, super super Deluxe, bro. Super you know, deluxe, I bro. you're bringing up uh, this Mario Kart DX uh, arcade machine, Bruno. I have to I have to share this story. So uh, once my my wife and I had bought like a, a a package deal on two of like those play all day cards where like you could go into a Dave and Buster's yeah. and play anything that doesn't give you tickets for that for that entire day. And so we went through and we played like Luigi's Mansion from start to finish. That's that fun. was really fun. And uh, you know we just hopped from game to game. And eventually we landed on the Mario Kart DX machine. And there was four of these things linked up. Okay. And of course, we're going to sit down and play. Now, I normally play Mario Kart at like 200 cc's. I like it totally maxed out, like yeah. high drifting. But that's yep. just because I've gotten you know good at the game over the years. Right. And yeah. when you play this thing, I think it like forces you into like 50, 50 cc's. We're playing it, and this uh, this kid gets in the, in the in the seat next to us. Right. Oh, Little Timmy boy. sits in seat number oh, two. Geez. And this kid is already trash talking like I'm the bomb at Mario Kart. I'm gonna win this thing. Like this kid is 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 disrespecting us, and we're just kind of like, okay, kids will be kids, you know. We were we were already having that problem. We're playing Luigi's Mansion like in the little cabinet, and like kids are constantly banging on the walls, and we're like, what are we doing here? And <laughs> so you realize you're in a Chuck E. Cheese and not in a Dave and Buster's. <laughs> yeah. And so we're we're having a, a great race. Like I'm in like first place. My wife is in second place. This kid's like falling behind. And of course, the kid gets the blue shell and manages to win the race at the oh. last second. And I'm I'm not kidding. Like he leans over towards our, our seats and is like, "Yeah, take that. I'm the best. I told you I was gonna win. You can't beat me at Mario Kart." And we're just staring forward at our screens in complete like awestruck shame at like what do we do? There's no right answer here. We can't like, you can't clap back at like a yeah, seven year old. Well, your mother never <laughs> loved you. So get out of here, Timmy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, you, but you can, you can name any, any franchise and like, they probably had some attempt at like a, a kart racing game over the years. Crash Bandicoot has had a kart, kart racing game. Yeah, that's true. Um, the list goes Sonic, you know, Sonic, uh, the hedgehog yeah. has had multiple, um, games. Well, but which I, I'm actually quite, quite a fan of them. The most recent entry. And, um, you know, besides that, um, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to see these kind of numbers. And I'm looking at the chart for the top selling games of all time, like in terms of, of where this, where Mario Kart 8 now sits. Yeah. Um, so Mario Kart Wii sold 79 million units, which doesn't quite reach Wii Sports, which sold 82.9 million units as of September 30th. 2020 wow. apparently it's still selling copies to this day and that game sits we sports this is a fun fact sits at in fourth place at the list of best-selling video games of all time behind grand theft auto 5 minecraft and the greatest selling video game of all time the original tetris of course yeah we still all had strong that, right yeah. except for did you did, was it you that told me you uh the the, the music scared you 
the Tetris music scared you, and so you didn't play it as a kid. Yeah, so it, it was when the um, when you would get a Tetris in yeah. ten, in the original game. Is that what it's called? Like really? The, is that yeah? You when you clear four lines in Tetris, it's called a Tetris. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice. That's, that's why they man. Call I'm it learning Tetris. something new every day. Like, I mean, it makes sense, but like, I never put two and two together. I thought they were just like, hey, we're just gonna call our game Tetris. You know, <laughs> like we're gonna call our game Dead Space, or yeah. we're gonna call it Overwatch. Like, <laughs> they don't say like you got an Overwatch when you get when you got a win in overwatch good job on that overwatch guys good you got job. an overwatch we, we overwatched him didn't we <laughs> <laughs> you instead of a killing an air in halo it's just a halo it's just a halo you just you tetris the heck out of that <laughs> i got a halo i'm just gonna start using tetris as a verb now like anything something something fits perfectly we're gonna tetris this like <laughs> gonna tetris the heck out of this <laughs> But yeah, in that game, you know, it would when you when you would get the Tetris, the screen would like flash brightly, almost yeah. like a almost like a like a potentially seizure inducing flash. And I wasn't ready for it as a kid. I was out the door. I said, "Nope, I don't." If that's what it what it takes to be good at this game, I don't want to be good at Tetris. And then that's why they put the little disclaimer on the front there that if you are susceptible to flashing light seizures. Or, yeah. or you're not ready for jump scares or the Tetris, then by all means, <laughs> just brace yourselves. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like, are you supposed to reevaluate playing the game? Like, if you come across that and you're like, well, how bad is it? Are we talking like Porygon Pokemon level where they had to pull the whole episode because there were like, you know, 15 I hospital that. I can't say it, hospitalized kids in Japan, right? Do you remember yeah, that? that? Happens. Yeah, it got pulled. Yeah, yeah, that was the the, the forbidden episode of uh, of Pokemon. There's so much lore behind like like crazy things in Pokemon. Have you heard about like the Lavender Town music that's supposed to like drive you crazy? It it's it is pretty off-putting. Well, there is that um that unofficial mod. It was more of just like a creepy pasta of yeah. uh, Pokemon Creepy Black of the person that like found the haunted cartridge of of the Game Boy Pokemon game. Yeah. And they um yeah, and then the Lavender Pokemon Town Black. theme is like like constantly playing throughout it and like your Pokemon like die and it gets like really really weird. It is. Yeah. But it's just like the start of a scary movie. Cedar Hills was a quiet community until Timmy found an, an old Pokemon black cartridge in his closet. Bob, what's this? This summer, Rob Schneider is. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, he's just going to be in everything. We're just going to cast him for all kid parts. <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite running, like movie running gags of all time, is just Rob Schneider and things. Rob Schneider, Rob yeah. Schneider. <laughs> the South Park do that. Who just like yeah. Rob Schneider's in? <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, yeah, so that is that is where we're at with Mario Kart Eight. So I mean, you know, congratulations to the franchise. They just continue to dominate with. Uh, with what they're doing there with Mario Kart. It's fun to see. You know, I remember when, uh, or I don't remember when, but this is actually a recent story, Bruno. They were talking about how, yeah. you know, F-Zero, right, the series, like what happened to it. Um, it's been a very long time, way over a decade since we've had a, an F-Zero game. And um, one of the guys actually that recently, um, an ex-Nintendo designer, his name is uh, Takaya Imamura, he was the lead artist on the original F-Zero, and he actually uh, kind of gave an unofficial interview and said, like, look, you know, F-Zero isn't dead. It just needs a new idea in order to bring it into the 21st century. And it's like, honestly, if you sit and look at the numbers behind Mario Kart, do you really want to create a racing Maybe. game that competes with that? <laughs> like, F-Zero actually had tracks in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. One of the DLC packs they put mm. in um, yeah, yeah. Mute City. And Big Blue, two of those two tracks there, and um, you know they were they were part of uh, of the deluxe package, and you know you get that same fast paced gameplay. You know the only other thing that that F Zero really did that Mario Kart doesn't do is you can like run into racers and like literally take them out like burnout style. Um, you know besides that, you're kind of getting the high speeds of of F Zero when you're playing on higher speeds in in Mario Kart. So I can kind of understand why that franchise has kind of fallen by the wayside. I want to see an F Zero F one crossover and call it F half point F point five. <laughs> F point F point five. Captain Falcon has like a uh, has the little water water tube going in his mouth. He's like Falcon <laughs> sip. 
tongue and sip. Let's go. So I, I, I miss those like hyper futuristic racers. Like, um, what was that other ones? It was like San Francisco 2049 or something. Was that, what was it yeah, called? I that. Yeah. yeah I, 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 know, I know which one you're talking about. That was like yeah, an arcade it was game one, too. It was like, yeah, it was one. Uh, well, and there was also one that was on that came out for N64 too. And it might've been another F zero iteration to be honest with you, but I think there's space for something like an F zero game, but you're right. You kind of have to bring it into the modern day. And I think that games nowadays are infinitely faster than they were 20 years ago. Like take a look at like any call of duty game or any shooter nowadays, right? And then just compare it to like the king of shooters back then, Halo. Halo yeah. is so slow now. Like I get on and play the Master mm -hmm. Chief collection sometimes and it's like painfully slow. It's like, what? what is the gravity set on this guy? Like I am just floating through the air. No wonder people are taking me down super easy because like, yeah. you know, if you play something that's like super quick, like Doom Eternal and then turn around and play something like Halo, it feels like you're playing playing in slow motion or something. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, speed matters. And you're right, like after coming off of a, of a, of a Doom session, like so many other games feel just yeah. like sluggishly slow, you have to kind of adapt. You know, I, I think that there is a way to find a, a path forward for F-Zero. Um, I just know a lot of people really love that franchise and it's, it's a bummer to them because... You know, they, they, it, it seems like Mario Kart's kind of stealing the Nintendo racing spotlight as of right now. And But again, with those numbers, it's hard to, hard to argue with it. Well, Bruno, uh, don't forget, we do have a fantastic merch giveaway from our friends at uh, Pierce Unlimited through the Pierce Unlimited Pop Art Vault. Um, if you leave us a review on iTunes, then at the beginning of each month, the first episode, um, you will have a chance to win a sweet prize package. We will be uh, posting the uh, this month's prize package um, soon on Twitter, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, again, if you don't win that drawing, then just make sure to keep tuning in at the first episode. And eventually you got to you got to get there at some point. Right. Because right? we're going to do this yeah. until we're dead. So <laughs> until we're dead from <laughs> now until forever, we That's will right. be sponsored in part by Pierce Unlimited. Hey, how about that? For marketing media that? that works and bespoke design to power your business, visit PierceUnlimited.com. Nice. Nicely done there. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. Way to turn a morbid thing into a into a you know, sponsor. <laughs> hey, well, you know, it's it's not morbid if you enjoy what if you love what you're doing, right? That's right. That's what they say. Well, I'll tell you who uh, definitely loves what they're doing, Bruno, and that is indie game developers. You know, we love featuring them here on the show, and of course, yeah. Nintendo's Indie World Showcase is such a great place for them to show their stuff because Nintendo, as we've said many times, is such a uh, indie-friendly console, uh, mm -hmm. making it very easy for them to get their games on the platform. And so we had our Indie World Showcase uh, just last Wednesday. And quite the lineup, I got to tell you, there is a lot of interesting games, new games that we weren't expecting. Also, we got some more kind of gameplay footage from games like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's yeah. Revenge. Um, but some of the highlights from the Indie World Showcase, we'll just kind of go down the list, compliments of Destructoid. Um, road 96, this is a uh, roguelite that's based on a road trip. Um, they got revealed last year, and it's looking pretty rad. It, it's according to the that's their words, not mine. Um, <laughs> but it's it does look interesting. It's like a game about like you're you're just trying to get from like point A to point B, and you can like hitchhike, and it's almost like the Oregon Trail, but like Route sixty six edition. Um, so that 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 should be kind of an interesting interesting game. Um, Oxen Free Two Lost Signals, of course, the sequel to the original Oxen Free. Isn't it funny that we've got Ali Ali on here and Oxen Free? Right, I'm so right glad you noticed. Yeah, I was I'm so say, glad what, you noticed. What the heck is that about? We've got that and get your kicks on Road ninety six. So <laughs> you know, I and I, I have to wonder. Like I, I know I saw someone else on Twitter make that same observation. They have to get in touch now, right? We have to have some kind of crossover <laughs> like, or do yeah. like one of those like doom x animal crossing like crossover jokes with like isabel and doom guy because the games came out at the same time it's like you gotta you gotta reach across the aisle Embrace now and have it. an easter egg yeah really speaking of ollie ollie I, that's the one that's that's the one i'm like second most excited for i i like this 2d style you know of games and having something like an open world version of that seems a lot 
more interesting than, you know, just the the painstaking platformer that it was before. Sorry, I didn't mean to step over your Oxenfree. Um, you, you were saying the first Oxenfree was one of the biggest surprises of the year in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Why was that? Why was this such a big... It was just a really good, eerie storytelling game. One of those kind of unsettling, like, what's going to happen next? It didn't necessarily go for the jump scares, but it had that kind of haunting overtone to it, like Little Nightmares, where it's like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, that was a very successful game in 2016. So no surprise that they were able to create that sequel. And yeah, of course, the the, um, the, the former part of Oxenfree, which is Ali Ali World. Um, <laughs> so that is a originally a, a, a 2D skating franchise. Um, very fun little indie game. They have turned it into a 2.5D world. Um, which is a very popular thing to do right now. And it's going to have, you know, branching paths, all sorts of interesting characters. Um, and it, it's one of those games where, you know, I love skating games. Obviously, Tony yeah. Hawk's Pro Skater is is, is a core part of both you and and, and myself, our, our, our repertoire of, of extreme gaming, if you will. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is always fun to see other people's takes on, on a skateboarder. Um, and so oh, yeah. this is going to be one that, uh, it, it's got that fun, you know, cutesy art style, so... We will definitely be uh, checking that out. Now, Bruno, here's one game. And every now and then, you know, people come up with some absurd ideas for a video game. Um, I've seen games before, like uh, Waiting Simulator, where you have to, like, wait in line and, like, punch yourself in the face to keep yourself awake. (laughs) And there are a lot of games that try to, like, subvert expectations and have you wait for an unusually long amount of time just to see if you'll actually do it. Yeah. Well, this game is called The Longing. And it's a game about you're, like, the last servant for, like, this king that has like these great powers, but he goes into a slumber and you're like waiting for him to wake up in this like tomb and you have to wait 400 days for him to wake back up. He's 400, 400 real days, for, but you can. So oh, wow. the game will allow you to wait it out. Like as you're walking through this tomb and it's like a tomb, you can't, you can't get out. Um, there's like little things you can do like read or like research or try to explore the tomb further. And like, you can see the 400 day timer at the top ticking down. Um, now they said there are ways that you can speed up time, but there is a different ending that you will get if you actually wait out 400 days. Oh my gosh. So yeah. obviously this, this will be really interesting because we'll all have to mark our calendars, right? From the release date of this game, 400 plus days and be like, now we can finally see that's what everyone's going to forget about it. And then 400 days after the release, IGN is going to post an article and be like, do you remember that game? The longing? Well, we can finally see what the real ending is like either that yeah. or day Data miners, come to the rescue. This is your time. This We're is going to be one game people are going to be uh, hacking the save file there to uh, <laughs> to get the true ending because that is right? <laughs> that is a level of commitment that I will never never give to a video game. I do I do like games like that. I don't know, but like there, there's games. One game that was really strange was that game for the Dreamcast, and this is a deep cut, Ooh. but you'll recognize the name. Um, uh, well, not the name of the game, but the the voice actor. It's called Seaman, uh, um, which is about a game. Yeah, it's not not what you think it is. Um, it's a <laughs> game about a like a fish raising simulator. It's like a fish tank, and like it's this it's this fish with a, with a human face. It's super creepy, and it's voiced by Leonard Nimoy. I wish oh. I was kidding. Wow. And like the whole the whole like like goal of the game was there was no goal. Like you had to raise this fish. But, like, all you had to do was turn on your Dreamcast and then, like, raise the temperature of the water and, like, sprinkle in some fish food and then, like, leave. Like, turn your game off. Like, you couldn't progress the game. Like, you had to come back, like, the next... It was almost like, it was, it was almost like a Tamagotchi, but, like, wow. spread out over, like, you know, like a month. Um, and then once the, uh, the, the fish would hatch, Leonard Nimoy would voice him and he would ask you, like, really personal questions. And he would, like, remember the answers. There was a microphone. Ooh. This is a, it's a really creepy game. That's That's weird. That's that sounds like he's gonna. It sounds like you're. You know, we're getting into like. Tell me your social security number, Becky. <laughs> Mom, Spock's trying to get me to give me give him personal information. This is way before anybody could like. You know, this was like, I would say before identity theft. Right? When is the first? Yeah. Well, I mean, wide widespread identity theft. I mean, people have always tried to steal other people's identities, but. 
it just seems really creepy that something like this would exist in, in a video game. That's what I'm telling you. The 90s and the, the early 2000s was just – it was – it was a wild west of time where no one really understood what the <laughs> what was acceptable in the world for kids and for yeah. people to play. And that's why we got things like Leisure Suit Larry and, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. all those like crazy dead or alive nude mods and stuff like that. that Just like, dead or alive really in general need. is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really. It's like was. you're you're clearly not here for volleyball, but oh my gosh, that's clearly. I don't know what you're talking about, Nick. I am a fan of yeah. Scott Sterling, the you know the human wall that is Scott Sterling's <laughs> face. Listen, you haven't seen those videos. Like, stop what you're doing. Stop this podcast and go watch the Scott Sterling video of him just, playing yeah. a goalie. Yeah, just just type in he's he does one with volleyball too. So there's a volleyball yeah. version and a a soccer version. But I got to tell you, if there's ever an apocalypse, I hope that we're in a bunker made of that man's face because that <laughs> is our only saving grace. <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, yeah, so that's uh, one of the probably the more eclectic games that's going to be on offer there. The longing. Uh, if you're into waiting, then uh, that is a, that is available. Actually, I believe uh, right now, um, TMNT, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of new gameplay footage, but of course it was on display there just to remind us that it's happening and we're going to spend money on it. Yeah, well, I mean, they did show you like the, yeah. they, they did show you the supers, right? Yeah. So there were, that was kind of the subtle thing that they showed this time, which was like each, each turtle has their own super move, I guess, that is special and then they glow in their own particular color. So so that was cool. It definitely seems like they're trying to take the the best of all of the arcade TMNT games and this and just mash them into one, which I appreciate, you know, because yeah. that's what I want. Like I mm-hmm. want the best of the best for all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's obviously the game that everybody wants to see. Um, according to our poll, we'll get to that in a minute, but okay. So this is one game that I am really excited to play because I've seen a lot of people do like YouTube let's plays of it. Um, it's called there is no game. Um, oh, this is, I mean, this we're is called, just getting uh, super meta right now. The yeah. longing, there yeah. is no game. Just right. give me your money. I mean, uh, this game has an interesting history. So it, it's it's based on a like ten to fifteen minute short uh, game that was created by a, a French developer. I'm probably gonna ba- a, a butcher his name, but Pascal Camisoto. Um, that it actually won a Newgrounds competition. Uh, because the theme was deception and the whole Ooh. idea was like it was just a screen that's like there's no game and like you try and like click on like letters and there's like a guy that's like no stop there's no game don't do that over the course of the game because it is a game is like a you game. Would have to figure out like how like to advance hot. the game while this guy is trying to convince you that there is no game well it got basically adapted into a full title because of the popularity of that game jam it's one of those games you have to see to understand it's it's a game about like subverting expectations and hmm just like coming up with like the most ridiculous solutions to the puzzles and the genres that it subjects you to. Definitely a game I'm going to be picking up on the Switch because I was I was I was laughing out loud at a couple moments in the game um, when I've seen people like Markiplier play it. Yeah, I want to. We, we should do. A, we should do. We should start getting some live streams in here for the QTV podcast, like yeah. on Twitch, because right now we are live on Twitch.tv/slash Quit the Build. So um, that's the interesting thing that you can you can check us out live. You can check out our edited podcast, which is what you're listening to right now, probably. Yeah. Um, so. Moving on. So we've got, oh, this game looks freaking adorable, Bruno. It's called Kiwi, like spelled K-E-Y-W-E. Um, and it's a game about two uh, uh, kiwis, kiwi birds, Ooh. whose names are Jeff and Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like somebody's parents' name. What, what should we name these? We could, well, we can name them after yeah. the greatest... The greatest parents to have ever lived. Good old Jeff, Jeff and Deborah. Jeff and Deborah. Uh, you know, Spatznik. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're Russian. Too <laughs> bad should have Russian, Russian parents with the first names Jeff and Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my name is my name is Jeff. This is Jeff. Deborah. <laughs> Jeff. I love it. Um, but yeah, this is a game about uh, Kiwis that are postal workers, and it, 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 it plays and looks exactly as adorable as it sounds. Yeah. Um, kind of a co-op style game, so that'll be uh, something fun to, to dive into. This game, Bruno, I got to tell you, 
visually, I am so excited to try it. It's called Labyrinth City, colon, Pierre, the Maze Detective. Ooh, really, that sounds like yeah. two different games, but okay. Which is, it, it basically looks like those Where's Waldo worlds that you look down, you know, that you look from overhead and you see like all these ridiculous things on the, on the just, it's very yeah. vibrant um, visually. And you're kind of moving through this world and navigating through all the mazes that are present. As far as like the visual influence, it wouldn't shock me if like Where's Waldo was like one of their biggest influences when they're making it. The best thing I've ever seen in my entire life was a guy on the internet. He made a video and he went to the local library. Well, I guess it wasn't the library. Maybe a library would work too. But he went and picked up a Wal Where's Waldo book, brought it back to his house, scanned in one of the pages, and then Photoshop removed Waldo from all the pages and then stuck him back in there and took it back and realized, I don't want this book anymore. So now the next kid that gets this poor Where's Waldo book will, will not literally, find him. He's, it's going to be the longing. He's going to be like, there is no Waldo. That's the meta. He's going to learn about subverted expectations and that sometimes <laughs> in life there is no prize, Timmy. Okay? Just learn that, Tim. Disappointment is your lesson today. <laughs> that might be one of the most unnecessary, unnecessarily and overly complicated ploys. Just do something mean to right? someone like I can't I can't believe that like you're gonna have the whole family like no I'm serious dad like there's no Waldo there's here no it's like, Waldo oh, okay here. son and like yeah like before you know it the whole family's like gathered around this book can't believe it yeah there's no sure. Waldo in the land of Waldos <laughs> there's no Waldo in <laughs> the land of Waldos he just takes all the pictures out it's just uh it's just like a it's like a flat space well, there were there was the other the other characters in Where's Waldo that you you could find like the wizard and I'm yeah. sure there was like a girl and a dog I think like didn't he have a dog at some point or yeah. you know I just yeah, everybody's asking Where's Waldo but never nobody ever asked How's Waldo exactly How's he doing? and you, you wonder know? why he he just goes missing for days right? at a time you know and tries to hide in a crowd exactly we need to we need to check up on your friends so if they go disappearing like. Waldo, don't ask where they are, ask how they are. The more you know. That would totally be the 2021 version of that book. <laughs> How's Waldo? How's where you have Waldo? to you have to explore Waldo's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man, Bruno, this is an exciting one. You're talking about arcade games, and Ooh. this is definitely a classic one. And this is probably, the, for a lot of people, this was the highlight of the of the whole presentation. The House of the Dead is getting a remake on the Nintendo Switch. What? How about that? Tell me more. So, of course, light gun shooters um, are kind of a foregone genre. You know, light gun peripherals stopped getting made for, for a very long time. The last I can think of was like in the PS2 era. There might have been one later than that. The House of the Dead is, of course, a very popular, you know, uh, zombie shooting franchise that yeah. originated in the arcades, got some ports to different, you know, consoles. I remember it on Sega Dreamcast. Heck yeah. Remember the, I remember the, the typing of the dead for Sega Dreamcast, where you had to, you had to take him out with uh, the power of, uh, of Mavis Beacon words. The power of grammars and spelling. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the 90s tried to make a video games fun and yeah. some of them succeeded and some of them didn't. And I got to tell you, anything that had to do with typing like that, like the Mario game or House of the Dead, I'm all over that. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, this this really surprises me, Bruno, because I never really thought about the switch and the motion controls as something that would be good for like a rail shooter style game. But from what I'm seeing, it controls really well. And it really makes me wonder, like, why aren't more people... Time crisis. Time crisis, hello. Yeah, right. What are you doing? Like, yeah, exactly. It, it would be the world's biggest softball to port, like, time crisis, like, one, two, and three in, like, a collection. And there's up to, they're up to four now. I mean, that's what I'm... That's what I'm saying. Like there, you know, we the Nintendo Switch is such a great console for something like this. And we can move into a different era of games. I don't think that producing triple A titles is is 100 percent necessary for all these games. Cause this doesn't look like, you know, it looks like and I, I don't know what the price is gonna be on it, but I can't imagine it's gonna be, you know, a sixty dollar game. Like we're talking, no. you know, maybe a twenty, thirty dollar game. Go for it. Like get yeah. get some more more of these 
these indie, you know, style games out there, just do them right, pour them in. Um, I think it's something that more people are going to be interested in in the long run. And, you know, we've already got things like MAME emulators and stuff like that for for different Sega cabinets and, and all types of arcade cabinets. So this idea of bringing arcade games to something like the Switch or consoles in general, I think is a great idea. It looks amazing. Yeah. And I can see why people are hyped about it because the minute, yeah, the minute you see it, like, in that opening like i don't know what it is like courtyard area that's like the classic house of the dead like you know gotta get in there and so i think we had our fill for zombies for a while like everything was zombie it was like zombie army and zombie you and zombies so many zombies. plants and zombies and and you're just like mm -hmm. okay i've had enough of the zombies like let's, let's dial it back a little bit and now i think that you know we've we've had some space and so now they're they're reviving it they're like hey zombies have always been cool let's just bring them back in the way that people actually want them i mean that's why i'm excited for something like this and something like uh what is it back for blood i think that's what it's called yeah, the spiritual yeah. successor to uh, left for dead yeah. yeah that's gonna be a yeah, lot I'm of fun looking forward to that yeah but uh you know one uh, another thing that's also cool bruno of course is our uh, qtb community poll <laughs> which is uh i mean you know that, that I, I did my best there Man, uh, where if you if you vote and retweet we will give you a shout out and our question from this week's uh, indie world uh presentation which new game uh, are you most excited for now i made a mistake here bruno i should have said like new new game that's being announced for the first time yeah because i put in uh, road 96 ali ali world oxen free 2 and of course TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Oh, yeah. As you can probably imagine, in a the biggest landslide we've had with these polls so far, uh, out of 23 votes, uh, over 78% of our voters stated that uh, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the winner, su surprising nobody. Oh, yeah. So, no. no. I mean, you can clearly look at that list and be like, yeah, that's our, that's our bread and butter right there. But I do want to say that Ali Ali World, if, if TMNT wasn't on the list, Ali Ali World would be my, my go-to for that. It's, it's, I've played the first one. I played the second one. It's a really, really fun game and it's actually challenging. It's challenging in terms of a rail or platform. Um, cause it's not really real, but you're, you're grinding on rails, um, but a platformer, uh, a skateboard game because not only do you have to time your jumps but you also have to time your tricks and your your grinds as well right like you when you ollie you have to hit a certain bu a button the minute you hit the the like rail or whatever it's not like you know tony hawk where you just hit y and it you know kind of magnetizes right. you to it like you've got to time yeah. these and the landings that's the other thing you had to time landings in ollie Oof. uh ollie ollie um and ollie ollie too you had to time like whenever you'd land otherwise you would just you'd roll over and die i guess and these uh these games are notorious for the, the constant the constant bails like it's a <laughs> it's a very technical game to master or yeah. just like land at all yeah just land just skateboard around which is pretty much how it is in real life right like <laughs> i'm not trying to do all these out here did one once fell on my butt and i was like that is enough for me i'm just gonna <laughs> sidewalk surf like i don't need to do all that well bruno we have got uh, a nice bonus round here for you i would I had the pleasure of uh, meeting someone on, on Twitch by the name of uh, Loxulus, who introduced me to his game Chesslock, and I had an interview with him. Let's take a listen now. And welcome to the bonus round, where we're talking with all sorts of gaming content creators, developers, you name it, across the gaming ecosphere. And today I am joined by Loxulus, who created the game Chesslock. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. You know, I this is the first real, like, true strategy game that we've had on the podcast. Tell our listeners about Chesslock. Yeah, so Chesslock is chess with RPG elements. You gain experience points, level ups, new abilities to unlock and upgrade as you progress through a 50-mission campaign. And every game is different because they start, your pieces start in different positions every match. So if you, if you think about chess, it starts the same way every single time, and you can already think about what strategy you're going to use at the beginning of the game, right? Well, in chess lock, every single game is different. The pieces are placed in diverse positions 
as you progress through this 50 mission campaign. So you have all new strategies to think about. And once you finish a match, your XP is tallied up. Just like if you think about RPGs, if you fight a battle after the battle, it shows how much XP you gained and you use that XP to become more powerful. Well, in Chesslock, your pieces become more powerful as you progress through the campaign. I did notice that, uh, I guess you intentionally did not give pawns the ability to level up. I would imagine <laughs> it would get pretty crazy pretty quick. Yeah, I actually, they actually had um, abilities they could level up, but I found it's best to just keep them as pawns, and it actually works better. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense when you think about how how chess plays out, right? They're, more, they're meant to be more of a barrier than something that you would attack with. But, you know, over, over the years, I, I recall a lot of chess sim-type games on, like, the NES and even on PC growing up, like uh, Chess Master, I think, was one of the, the well-known ones. But most of the time when you would dive into those kind of games, it would just be a traditional chess game with like animations of like the fights that would break out between these 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 characters. Um, and that's about it. So when you're reimagining a game like chess, I have to wonder, you know, do you feel like maybe you're like stepping on sacred ground with this this game that has global tradition and literally hasn't had a balance patch in the hundreds of years that it's existed? Uh, yeah, that's it's that's a really interesting question. Um, <laughs> I, I feel more like I'm creating something new, but doing it by combining two things that already exist, the game of chess in the genre of RPG. And even today, there are thousands of chess variants, which might be minor changes or major changes to the game of chess. Like maybe your pawns can attack forward or your rooks can also capture diagonally, right? So there are tons of uh, chess variants that already exist. And this is just a new challenge that brings some some new elements to the game of chess. Yeah, and I'm curious, like when you were going through the process and trying to figure out in your head of like, what abilities can like these these pieces have, you know, did you find that it was difficult to balance a game like that? Yeah, it was difficult. And it was, it was actually it was actually really fun as well. Um, trying to think of what abilities would fit with, you know, the pieces. So I was th I was picturing a king. And I was picturing him sitting on his throne, uh, someone coming up to him that's not quite a knight yet, but you seen like in old medieval movies, he'll he'll tap his sword on, you know, a squire's shoulder or something like that, and then dubs him a knight, right? Well, that's one of the king's abilities. It's called dub knight, and a pawn has to be near your king, and you can select that pawn and promote him to a knight for the rest of the game. And I just started going through, uh, well, what else can it, what else can happen? And I looked at the bishop, which I kind of imagined as like the holy piece, like a cleric or a white mage. And so I gave the bishop the ability to revive one of your captured pieces. And the, the rook, it looks like a structure, like a physical tower. And so the rook, one of the rook's abilities is it can create a wall and you can place the wall on a square to block the enemy movements. And the queen, I was thinking, you know, the I think it was Alice in Wonderland off with his head. Yeah. Do you recall that? Sure. Well, the queen has um, well, the ability used to be called off with his head. I change it to execute. It can just be if it's right next to a pawn can just remove a pawn. And then uh, just one more for the uh, the knight. If you think about a knight on horseback jousting and they move in this straight line. So the knight's joust ability is a straight line attack. I went through and just brainstormed what would make sense. What special abilities could these chess pieces have? And I just pictured it in my head. And then there was a lot of balancing involved, just like you said. And um, I just figured out what worked and then did my best to balance. All of the power pieces have these have three unique abilities to help you win games. I tell you, man, if high school chess clubs we're doing what you were doing, we would be having so much more fun. I remember, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I joined the chess club in high school because we had a really, like a really strict private school and we couldn't play Pokemon cards or do yeah. much of anything with these, you know, these club hours that they would designate. And so we joined the chess club and I kind of got into it, but I never, you know, if, if we would have had these RPG elements layered on top of it, mm -hmm. I would have been all in. I love yeah. just, just hearing you describe these abilities and like, it's not only like balance, but it's also thematic as well, you know? Um, yeah. That makes it really interesting and I think is is such a great way to approach chess. Now, I uh, had tuned into your stream a few weeks ago for the first time, and mm -hmm. I noticed that you were playing Final Fantasy Tactics, and you were really yes. passionate about it. 
Um, and we got into a conversation on the stream about that. And seeing how chess lock plays, obviously, it's a grid-based game. Um, yep. There's definitely some parallels there. So I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it might have been an influence in making it. But even besides that, or maybe I'm wrong, are there any other strategy games that inspired you when you were making Chesslock? Actually, the biggest influence was Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, I, I played it ever since it came out in 1998, and it's still one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, you're, you move your units across the battlefield, and the battlefield is on a grid, right? You move across squares but in 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 tactics, you have armor and weapons and health points to worry about. Um, so Chesslock does not have that. But I tried to keep what other elements can I add that would make sense? So the experience points and level ups and new abilities and, you know, every every match starting differently with your piece placements. Now, I, I'm curious because I think about a game like chess, like like we talked about before, where the rules are static. You know, they've they've always been the same and they will probably always continue to be the same. Otherwise, it's not chess. You know, when you created, you know, the 1.0 for this game and released it, do you do you have in the back of your mind that maybe there could be balance patches or changes down the road? Are you are you trying to create a product that's this is what you get in terms of how the chess plays out yeah i i've been thinking of some balance patches uh nothing major just some minor tweaks um thinking about how to better balance experience points um some abilities can be a little powerful when you fully upgrade them and i kind of have a way to to help balance that so once you beat the campaign something called the dungeon unlocks and it's kind of like a hard mode if you're feeling so confident oh you know i my pieces are so powerful during this campaign well once you get to the dungeon th things things are going to change uh, I, i'm not going to say what happens but it's it's not just more difficult but um the whole mood is going to change and it's going to be a big surprise and so I, I hope people like it, but uh, that's going to help balance it if you feel like your pieces are too powerful. Gotcha. Now, just thinking about like not just esports, but just competitive gaming in general, oftentimes people associate those terms with shooters or action games. And the strategy genre usually doesn't get a whole lot of love. I, I think of more games like uh, Hearthstone, probably one of the most well-known, but that's more of a, of, a, of a card game style. You know, do you think that a game like this can kind of bridge the gap between professional play like the global chess community and video games? Right now, Chesslock does not have a multiplayer aspect. Uh, I launched the game with a single player campaign, which is a 50 mission campaign and then 20 mission dungeon with replayability. There isn't a multiplayer, but that was that's number one on the list to add post launch. And it would just it would just be an update later down the line. Um, I just couldn't fit it in. I was I was I was ready to launch a great game. I, I still have some design work to do for the multiplayer aspect. But a, as for esports, I think this could totally be an esports thing. I think I think that'd be really exciting, especially because every game is different and there are new challenges for every every single match that you play. And when you do it against another human being, it's going to add even more challenge. Yeah, I know when I think of like uh, sci-fi interpretations of chess, like 3D chess, right? Uh, is yeah. one of the well-known oh, yeah. ones and, and how that's just seeing chess in a different atmosphere is so cool and you're like oh i want to see that and some people have created actual versions of it but i would just love to see something like this on the big screen man of two people oh, yeah. going at it in in this dynamic game of chess that just completely reinvents the wheel but but respects tradition so uh -huh. hopefully that that's down the pipeline now I have to say, in, in terms of people playing your game, now just recently, Pro Jared did a Let's Play of Chesslock right. on his YouTube channel. I know that had to be in a very exciting moment for you. And you're a solo developer, right? One man band. Right. So yeah. what does it feel like to, to go from conceptualizing a game to seeing a major content creator playing it? Yeah, so th that was a huge help to let people know that my game exists because I did not have a following for Chesslock. There was no Kickstarter campaign. There was no GoFundMe. And only a, a handful of people knew that I was developing the game. And I hid development from the public eye because I didn't know if this game was ever going to launch. That's why I was so happy to announce that I launched it last month on Steam for PC. When I launched it, you know, nobody really knew about it. You know, my Twitter followers knew about it. And then when last week, Pro Jared made a 40 minute video of him playing the game, I was so excited. I was screaming at my 
monitor because he <laughs> skipped the tutorial and it was a little shaky at first, but he got the hang of things. But um, yeah, th- that was a huge help uh, to letting people know that the game exists. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to see someone like that, you know, actually reach out and be like, "Yeah, I want to try this." And, and yeah, yeah that, that that exposure is so cool. So congratulations on that. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, if anyone wants to get more information or check out your game, where can they get it? Yeah, so it's on Steam for Windows PC. Um, you can follow social media. Chesslock is on Twitter, on Discord, on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Loxulus, L-O-X-X-U-L-U-S. And Chesslock is spelled L-O-C-K-E at the end. Okay, very good. And one bonus follow-up question, just because sure. I'm curious. Okay. Where did you get the name Loxulus from? Lox, okay, so my nickname for the past almost 20 years has been Lock, L-O-C-K-E, just like in Chess Lock. For the past 20 years, my my friends call me Lock. That, that's just my nickname. And uh, I would use Lock as my video game name. If I'm playing a new game and it says enter your name, I would do Lock, L-O-C-K-E. Oftentimes for online games, Lock was taken. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, that that really, you know, I, I didn't like that. So I figured I would have to change my gaming, you know, name. And so one of my favorite games of all time is called EverQuest Online Adventures. And one of the raid, uh, big raid mobs was named Bertoxilus. So I combined my name Locke with Bertoxilus and came up with Loxilus. And it is never taken. That is right. my name. <laughs> I, I, would, I would hope not, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Well, listen, it's it's been great having you on the show to all of our listeners. Definitely check out this game. It is such a cool take on chess. And like you said, you can even see Pro Jared's playthrough and, and see for yourself you know, how it plays out. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show and uh, best of luck with uh, with Chesslock. Thank you so much. All right, it is 2.15 p.m. Thank you so much for hanging in there. And what a great interview that was, Nick. I tell you, I'm so glad that you're the one giving the interviews and not me because we would go off on a tangent and we would just be like, what were we talking about? What's your game again? But Chesslock sounds absolutely amazing. First of all, I give respect to anybody that is a one-man band out there that's just, you know, going to town, doing it, and all-encompassing, Everything that involves, you know, from from ground up with that comes with the game. Kudos to you, dude. Like that is that's some mad props right there. Um, and second of all, Nick, chess is coming back hard, bro. Okay. Sure. Like mm-hmm. with Queen's Gambit, and now there's you know, chess lock, and I've heard of 5D chess that it's supposed to be oh. like looking at the future of like all these. How many yeah, I mean, D's are we gonna add to chess? It's just really neat to see somebody actually do something. I don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but you know, spice it up a little bit, make it a little bit more aerodynamic, right? You know, and yeah, and you know why not? I think there's there's tons of room for that in the video game world. We get so focused on as as content creators to to be the first to do something or to do something so crazy that no one else could possibly think of like tentacle typer, right? Like no yeah. one's going to think <laughs> up of uh, think up tentacle typer. Like you've got it's real wacky. You, you've cornered the market, my bro. But yeah. Something like this is I can see more more companies doing something along the lines of adding R- RPG elements to to different games. And I think there's something to be said for looking at old games, whether they be board games like Grape Escape or <laughs> your favorite or, you know, Crossfire or anything like that and saying how we take this and bring it into the modern world and like make it it. fun like how can we how can we hit this out of the park and i think that's what chess lock is right i think that that's that's where we're going with this type of game so i'm very interested um and what a great interview um so thank you for that. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was really good to talk to him. Like I said, I um, had the pleasure of meeting him actually on Twitch and watching him stream Outriders. And uh, <laughs> that's how I learned about his game, Chess Lock. And before you know, we were having a conversation. Nice. I'm like, uh, yeah, let's let's get you on the show. And yeah. so it just kind of worked out. Uh, so definitely check that out. The uh, the link to his Steam page, you can buy that game now, um, will be in the description there in our show notes. Um, and of course, as always, special thanks to our sponsor, PodThreads.com. Show your love of the podcast, Audio Revolution, with eye-catching t-shirt designs and more. Use promo code QTB at checkout for 15% off your order. Only 100 codes available now until April 28th, so do act fast. And of course, Bruno, we got to give a special thanks to our Patreon supporters, such as Nick Nick, 
Epicapture Productions, and The Dudist Monk. If you would like a shout out at the end of each and every episode, plus bonus content like our QTB Nostalgia Vault episodes and even exclusive merch you can't get anywhere else, support us today at patreon.com slash quit the bill. Thank you to each and every one of you um, yes. who do support us. It means the world to us. And you do get some really cool uh, bonus content there in exchange for it. So uh, thanks for thanks for your, your consideration. And uh, Bruno, what do you got for him, man? The only thing I think we forgot was to give shout out to the people who retweeted our poll. It's incredible. I, I got all the way through that. Good catch. We got to give our shout outs. That's right. So for our, our retweets, um, Decent Takes, Pierce Unlimited, Gliza. It is pronounced Gliza. We, we did get uh, a confirmation on that. <laughs> Vix Open, uh, Good Game Guys podcast. Vix Open, congratulations on getting Twitch affiliate, by the way. Nice. And the Let's Get Gaming podcast, of course, and Extreme Blast with no E, just Extreme. That's how you spell it. So thanks so much for uh, giving us a retweet and voting in our poll. Well, there you go, Bruno. That's, that is the only time I've ever had something else for you because most of the time <laughs> you knock it out of the park and we're like, nope, I've, you know, I got nothing for you. Well, Scammed if right you over. If you want to follow us, be sure to check out quitthebuild.com and you can go to quitthebuild.com slash community. And from there, you can find all sorts of links to all of our different socials. We're on the TikTok. We've got YouTube clips and videos. And you can also check out these live Twitch videos on YouTube as well, or on twitch.tv slash quit the build. We're on Facebook, Instagram. We have a discord. I mean, where aren't we? Right. And it's a real question. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful that we've, we've got such a great community out there that really has uh, helped and supported us grow. We really do yep. appreciate that. Be sure to give those, uh, those socials a follow like um, and share them with your friends. It really does help and it means a lot to us. If you uh, like what you heard today, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts because you could be entered to win an amazing giveaway from Pierce Unlimited. So without further ado, for Nick, I'm Bruno. And for Bruno, I'm Nick. Peace out. What it do. 